So when you think about Christmas, what is one word that comes to mind? How would you describe Christmas? Maybe some words that popped into your head would be magical or lit. I've seen that a lot lately. Uh, Exciting. All of the kids that might say exciting are probably in the gym right now. Uh, Or maybe sweet. It can also be loud, can't it? I mean, think about the Christmas lights. Some of our neighbors put so many lights that you can see it even if the blinds are shut. The blinking Christmas outfits or the leggings that the women like to wear. Uh, The shopping. Yesterday we were out at the mall and it was pretty busy. If you looked at your calendar, it feels a little loud. Did I mention the shopping? Uh, The decorating and the cooking. And I would even say the frosting is loud. And if you need proof of this, perhaps someone could grab a cookie that is over in the coffee area. Even the frosting is loud. And I know some of you out there are way better at the baking part than I am. And I'm just so impressed with some of the creations people come up with at Christmas. At my house, even the Christmas music gets a little loud, and I have to ask for it to get turned down. It's also one of the reasons why I hold off Brian starting the Christmas music as long as possible, because if it were up to him, I think once November hits, he would start to play it. Sometimes it gets too loud, and the loud, the noise, causes stress, and sometimes even makes us feel anxious and even, like, angry. And then it gets so loud We miss what Christmas can really be about, being able to hear from God. Now, what can we do? Those of us who live in this Western world, uh, we know that our culture loves the Christmas season and loves to make it loud. So what can we do when there's so many things that drown out the magical, the lit, the exciting, and the sweet parts of this season? Well, as I sat down to write the sermon, it was Friday, and I tried to pick out some background music to set the tone. And normally, true confessions, I have on my Spotify station, pink is often a go-to. Sometimes it's a Billy Joel station. Sometimes it's Bon Jovi in the 80s, because I'm that old. Sometimes during Christmas, we love pentatonics, or recently I picked a Michael Buble. It's hard to say that name, honestly, without giggling a little bit on the inside. But because it was a snow day, and my kids were super excited to be home, and the snow was falling, also because we had stayed up so late the night before watching the Vikings try to lose, and because this Christmas message is likely meeting you as you might be experiencing the loudness, I chose Cozy Christmas Jazz. It was a Spotify station, and it had no words, but it was classic Christmas music. And I was writing a sermon, trying to work. I still felt my heart rate slow down a bit. I found myself smiling, and yes, I did feel a little cozy. So what do you do when it's so loud and you just can't handle it? Maybe particularly during the holidays. Today we're going to read about a prophet in the Old Testament named Elijah. Elijah lived when he felt like things were desperate. And frankly, I think if we were to interview him, he probably would say to us, man, Israel is just going to hell in a handbasket. Our culture is lost. The current climate was very unkind to those who were believers in Yahweh. Elijah had had it. Elijah was a prophet. He was righteous, bold, and courageous. 
He is written about in the book of 1 Kings, which is where we'll be today. He was faithful even in the face of death and persecution when many other prophets of God were literally being killed. Baal was the god of the day. And Elijah spoke out against this idolatry, even though the governmental leadership was a proponent of worshiping Baal. Now, in the previous chapter, Elijah had literally just wiped out 450 false prophets of this Baal. And in 1 Kings 19, we find out that Elijah is wiped out himself. So we're starting in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 3. And it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a boom brush, <laughs> boom brush, broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. The boom, <laughs> broom bush is a very common tree back then. It was one of the only trees that would provide shade and shelter in the wilderness. I also need to say to you something that's a little harder is I don't really know what to do with the fact that Elijah had literally just killed hundreds of false prophets. There are some things in the Bible that sometimes we come across and it just makes us go, really? Is, is that okay to do? Should he have done that? I don't completely know what to do or how to interpret that part of the story. But what I do know is that Elijah is wiped out. He's had it. He's done. He says, I want to die. It tells us he's afraid. He prays to God to die. He says, I've had enough. And if we were to translate in other ways, it could be it's too much. Or it's more than I can handle. And in the midst of this, he's so wiped out, he falls asleep. Now it says in the following verse, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Now I want to say this because I think that God is compassionate and I don't imagine Elijah falls asleep and an angel wakes him right up. I bet that God let him have a nap, you know, a little power nap at least, gave him some time to rest and then the angel shows up. Going back to verse six, Elijah looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. This might be one of my favorite sections of this story. An angel of God who's speaking for God on God's behalf says to Elijah, This journey is too much for you agrees with how Elijah's already feeling. It's too much for me, God. And an angel goes, it is too much for you. Sometimes it is, this life that we live. Sometimes it is too much, whatever it is that we're facing. I think God nods with us sometimes when we pray that prayer, and he goes, it is too much. I'm so glad that some of my friends, as I've been learning and reading in the last few years, are teaching me about the power of lament. Particularly my brothers and sisters of color. When certain events are happening, 
and they lament. They lament the injustice. They don't run away from it. They don't pass over it. They don't try to just put on a happy face. They invite others to join them in lament because it is too much sometimes. Even the book of Lamentations, there's a whole book in the Old Testament that is literally lament. And I believe it's in the Bible to welcome us into those seasons, in those times, where God says it is too much. In Lamentations 2.11 it says, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. My spirit is poured out in agony as I see the desperate plight of my people. Little children and tiny babies are fainting and dying in the streets. The angel of the Lord says to Elijah, this journey is too much for you. Verse 8, so he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he, Elijah, traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Elijah is experiencing the wilderness in two different ways. He is in the physical wilderness of Israel. Where he started from and where he ends up is a distance of about 200 miles. If you were walking on foot by yourself, it literally could take you 40 days to walk this journey. It also says that Elijah left his servant and then he went on. So it's very likely that Elijah is physically alone. It says he went so deep into the wilderness and eventually entered a cave to spend the night. Now, other than like a desert scene with sand, I can't imagine a wilder place to spend the night than in a cave. Elijah was also in a metaphorical wilderness. He wants to die. He's actually praying to the Lord that he would be dead. He's exhausted. He doesn't have enough energy even to eat and sleep. I think that's part of why the angel wakes him up. Sometimes you get so tired or you're so overwhelmed you don't even eat or sleep. It's no wonder then that he runs into the wilderness. He is done. He goes into the wilderness, but it is interesting that he goes to Horeb. He might be feeling at the end of himself, but I also believe that he remembers Moses, another great prophet who had great challenges, who felt like he was at the end of himself, who kind of wanted to be done, met with God in this area known as Horeb. Moses encountered God there, and that's where he gets the Ten Commandments. Kind of famous scenes of Israel's history happen in this same location, and that is where Elijah goes. So yes, he is at the end of himself, and I still see him connected to God. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, and God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, Elijah replies, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The leaders of that time in Israel literally had been putting the prophets to death. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Perhaps you've heard this part of the story before. All these big, booming, amazing things happen, and this refrain, but the Lord was not in that. And then came the gentle whisper. The way it's written, we might assume that God is in the big, booming, powerful moments. Of course God's in the earthquake. Of course God is in these firework moments. But each time it tells us the Lord is not in it. All right, now if you want to learn something today, get out your pencils. I'm going to teach you a kind of christian word. And it's the word theophany. Spelled with a T-H and a P-H. Theophany. It is the appearance of a divine presence. It's something that was typical in this day and age where people interacted with their God, big G or little g. Normally, a theophany is connected, however, with battle, and it is meant to intimidate the enemy. Big, crazy storms, lightning bolts. Again, think of Marvel Comics. Those comic you know, characters are not quiet, right? They're the big, like, booming, whoopity-doo, Thor and the hammer, okay? That's what it was like. Intended to terrify the army, except our God chooses at this moment with Elijah to not show up in those moments. Instead, it is in the gentle whisper. That word gentle can mean thin, light, a very little thing. Whisper can mean silence, calm, stillness. I don't know about you, but that's what I would like this Advent. Those kinds of moments. And perhaps this is the reason why Jesus comes as a small baby to a manger, likely in a place where there were animals and straw, a mother, a father, perhaps some other women there to help Mary deliver. And then as we know from other parts in the Bible, the shepherds were there. Now, I don't believe Mary had an easy birth. There are all these wonderful images of these quiet, silent nights, right? And anyone who has a baby who has ever been present at having a baby or has watched it on TV knows that there was probably plenty of noise when Mary gave birth, okay? She likely did not have a team of doctors and nurses on hand to deal with the private, with the finer points of childbirth, however right? Jesus probably likely screamed and cried to clear his lungs like any healthy baby does to announce his appearance in the world, but there was likely no social media strategy for the parents to announce this birth. The paparazzi was not waiting outside, and there were no palace guards shooting off fireworks, as I have in my memory of every Disney movie when the baby is born to the royal family. Elijah didn't experience God in the earthquake, not in the wind, not in the fire. Instead, what it says is that Elijah was able to pause and listen and hear God once there was a whisper. Now, as I studied this passage, always in the past, I thought God was talking in the whisper and that was where the interaction came. But when you read this passage, it sounds like Elijah's kind of back, oh boy, back in the cave And all these things are happening out there. And God says, come, I am about to pass by. 
Now, if an earthquake is happening, is your first thought, I'm going to go to the mouth of the cave and see what's happening? I don't think so. You're going to stay as far back in the cave as possible. When these sweet people who experienced the tornadoes this weekend, they got underground as far as possible. They want to be hunkered, not watching. Now, there are people that enjoy that, and God bless you. I am not that type of person. But when the whisper comes, it says that Elijah covered his face and then he came out. It says, a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Does this sound familiar to you? I didn't read the same thing twice, although that could happen this morning because I'm not perfect. Elijah literally, word for word, repeats himself to the Lord. I think this is hilarious. As if God is the one who's not listening. Elijah needs to repeat it, word for word. And may I say pastorally today, do we do this with God sometimes? Do we repeat ourselves? Are you paying attention? Do we have that perspective sometimes? Well, verse 15, the Lord speaks back. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you go there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Okay, if anyone needs to look for a name for a pet or a child, there are some for you. Some real winners in there. Okay, 17. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. God gets Elijah's attention with the whisper. And then he shares with them, with him, the plan for Israel. Elijah feels like he is the only one who is speaking truth for God. And God says, no, that's not true. Elijah repeats all of the horrible things that are happening in Israel. And God says, that's not the whole story. God has a plan for Israel and shares it with Elijah. It includes 7,000 faithful Israelites who have not yet turned to Baal. He says, there's this guy, Elisha. Who's going to take your mantle? He's going to take the baton from you and keep running the race. Elijah had to be ready and in a place to hear this plan from God. First, I think, he needed his physical needs to be met. He's exhausted. He needed to eat and drink. There's this meme or gif online, if you Google this, and it says... Never underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. Based on this story. Might I say in there too, a healthy snack this time of the year, okay? When I was in campus ministry, I would meet with college students, and I would ask them how they were, and nine times out of ten, oh, I'm so tired. And I would first ask them, well, what kind of sleep have you been getting? And then I would say, you know, it'd be like 11 o'clock, what have you eaten today? Nothing. I've had coffee. And I would just say to them, gosh, maybe like get a little bit more sleep, maybe eat some food, see how you feel. During the season of Advent, 
What would it look like for you, maybe, to take a break? Even a nap. Healthy snacks. What would it look like for our church family to do that? Now, I am just totally inconsistent and hypocritical because we're serving cookies this morning and coffee. But we do have a pitcher of water, just for the record, and we'll be serving you bread and juice in a minute. I find that it's really hard for me to pay attention when I'm hungry or when I'm sleepy. If I have some time set aside and I'm going to spend it with the Lord, you know, being really spiritual, and I'm sleepy, I've stayed up too too late the night before, I find that's when I need a nap. (laughs) Or that's when I want a nap. If I am starving or if I'm experiencing a sugar high because I've not been eating well, it's also really hard for me to pay attention to other people, much less God. So again, pastoral word today, let's take care of our bodies, especially during the holidays. I think sometimes the simple things can set us up for success in our spiritual lives, especially during the Advent season. Remember, Elijah was in a physical wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights. He's under some kind of tree. He's sleeping in a cave. God comes to him with water and bread. And then it says in the midst of it that Elijah gained energy and strength enough from the food that then he was able to continue on with his journey. God also takes care of Elijah in his metaphorical wilderness, right? He reminds him of the vision. There will always be a faithful remnant in Israel. I am going to have prophets It's not just about you, Elijah. And Elijah actually doesn't know this, but there's another dude who has sequestered some prophets and and has hidden them. But Elijah doesn't know that yet. I wonder if we need to be reminded this holiday season as you watch the news, as we have conversations with people about our culture. Sometimes I think we get like this. We call it our dark city. You know, the world's lost. Our country, let's not even start that. Oh yeah, here she's getting political. And do we need to be reminded that God is at work? God has a mission. It doesn't just depend on me. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on us in this room or online. It doesn't just depend on people who are really Bible-believing Christians. God has a plan. He is on the move. Back then, thousands of years ago, God had a plan. And in Matthew 1, part of our theme verse, and the the men read it this morning, in Matthew 1, verse 20, it says, An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, even though she's pregnant. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been messing around on you. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Joseph, things look really bad right now for you. You might feel like you're in the wilderness, but I have a plan, and it depends on Jesus. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what wilderness are you experiencing this Advent? Is it a physical one? And frankly, you need me to give you permission to go home and take a nap today, to go to the grocery store and get some healthy foods to plan out your meals and your snack times, even those of you who are younger, who are athletes, eat good food, it's important. 
right? Okay, I'm making eye contact with the ones I know are active. Or are you experiencing a metaphorical wilderness? And do you need a gentle whisper to remind you to look out for how God is really at work? I think of these things that are happening and have happened recently. A snow day when our family really needed a break. Man, just to be able to watch the snowfall, I know a lot of people took advantage of that. Maybe God appears to you and reminds you that he's at work when you're walking through the mall and all the chaos and the noise, and you hear a Christmas song that is saying the name of Jesus. When we think the culture has just completely forgotten about it, there are these moments of blessing. When the cashier says Merry Christmas, when your son has a birthday and a kid who's not been invited to come over that day has the parents text and call and say, hey, my kid has a birthday present for your son and he wants to bring it by. And it was all his idea and he's 10 years old. Or when a friend reaches out to hear about your recent trip to Texas, which was great, by the way, she wanted to hear about it from me instead of just through a text. What are those still quiet voices that are reminding you to pay attention to how God is Emmanuel? Let me pray for us as we continue in worship. God, it is Christmas. Ready or not, here it comes. And Lord, as the loud has a tendency to drown you out, God, we first of all would just lament that that happens and confess to you that we allow it to happen. And Lord, we invite your still quiet voice to come to us and speak to us. Lord, as we are facing a wilderness, if we feel like we can't see you, we need faith, Lord, from you and from one another, Lord, that we would be able to sing and worship you even in the face of great trials. Amen.